Hello and welcome to the Four Color Nerds comic podcast, episode number 26. I'm Ryan. I'm joined by another nerd, Christina. Hello. We are down uh, Matt and Carissa. They've been sucked into a dimensional vortex. They should return next week. Uh, Together, the remaining nerds take on the week's comics. Uh, And there are a lot of them because there's only two of us. Each week, we read a variety of comics and gather here to discuss them. This is a review show, so there will be spoilers. If you don't want to hear spoilers, take a break now. Go read your week's books and then come on back. Each week, one of us picks their favorite book of the week. And that's our pick of the week. This week, I am that nerd. This week, the pick of the week goes to Saga number 35. The companion song for tonight is War Pigs by Black Sabbath, because I think that song talks a lot about war and the kind of dehumanizing effect it has on people and how the people that war benefits the most aren't the ones who have to actually have to fight it. So I thought it kind of fit in with the overall theme of Saga. Generals gathered in their masses just like witches at black masses evil minds that plot destruction sorcerer of death's construction in the fields of bodies burning as the war machine keeps turning So, Saga number 35 from Image Comics, written by Brian K. Vaughn, art by Fiona Staples. Saga is is one of our favorite books, and... All time. Yes. And I feel like this one really brings us back to sort of the main story. Um, You have uh, Hazel, who's on the little prison planet, and her teacher now knows about her her secrets. And you have the, the parents are going to engage in like a rescue mission for her. They've picked up Prince Robot, who's with them, and left Prince Robot's son on the planet back with uh, Gus. And then you also have the Will, who's captured the two reporters and is trying to track them all down uh, as well. So you've got a lot of pieces that are that are moving around. The art, Fiona Staples' art, as always, is just amazing. It's, it's beautiful. It's full of details. It's got like a lot of personality and, and things you haven't seen before. One thing I really thought this issue did really strongly was talking about kind of like identity and how people aren't really seen. The whole thing with, with Hazel, no one you know can see who she really is, which is to her benefit, actually, that she's able to, to hide. But there's also um, one of the prisoners on the in the women's prison uh, planet is a, a a transsexual woman. I don't think they they actually explain it. I don't think there's a scene where she's in a shower and there's I know, but they don't explain. I mean, they're kind of aliens, so no, they make it clear because like there's a when she's talking to Hazel, Hazel says like, "Well, they put you in here in the women's prison, so maybe they're not all you know as bad as you think they are. They recognize you as a woman." And then there's a scene, one of my actually my favorite scenes, and this is what I like about the characters. They seem very, like, they're very complex and real. No one's super good or super bad. They all have elements in it. And Hazel's grandmother is talking to the woman, and she says, you know, you may have them fooled that you're one of us, meaning one of the women, but you still lecture me like a man. Right. But Pretty awesome line. She could be a man transitioning to a woman or a woman transitioning to a man. We don't know. This, I guess that is true, but I, I get the distinct impression that it's a, a man transitioning to a woman, but I could be wrong. So then you also, I, I think that this one, like I said, was really a lot about identity, about being seen for who you, who you actually are. There's also a scene with Prince Robot where they have this elaborate plan to fool everyone into thinking who he is and they have like stolen the clothes of another nobleman and gotten like an id badge and he's like you know why are you giving this to me this doesn't look anything like me and they're like well it looks the same to me he's like you're all just a bunch of racists (laughs) you know all robots look the same and i love the the lady who's supposed to be like the head of security just totally not interested fucking coloring i was like oh my god that's hilarious like that's well i love that they have gone through all this trouble and probably you know weeks or months of planning and she's just like whatever buzz you through whatever you're good (laughs) <laughs> so their, their plan is that they're going to teleport into the prison, grab Hazel and the grandmother and teleport back out. But there's like a shield over the planet that has to be prevents people from teleporting in and out. But when robot dig this story sounds so crazy. 
And it is. But when robot dignitaries come in, the the shield messes with them, so they have to lower the shield for them. So that's why they have Prince Robot as part of their scheme. So just as they're about to do that, though, they they hit these, like, these hives and all these, I don't know what they are, these nasty, like, bug monsters start coming in. So they're they're having to fight them. So there's actually a lot going on in that scene where uh, basically Prince Robot is fighting off the bug alien things. Alana and Marco are having their, like, their goodbye, which I thought there was a cool line where he's like, you know, whatever happens and she's like no stop it it's not whatever happens you're gonna go get our daughter and come back i thought that was pretty i like the uh, risk i also thought it was interesting that like all these pieces are moving independently of each other hazel has her own plan to get off the planet that's taking place as someone's coming to the planet to get so what i imagine is going to happen and this would just be keeping with the whole tragic you know missed connections kind of thing for saga is he'll get there to rescue her and she'll be gone as part of her escape plan already she'll be already gone there's also i think probably one of my favorite parts is Prince Robot's uh, son is on the planet and the will kind of like captures him and then you have this scene of uh, Gus and Frendo with his his axe telling him that if he if he hurts the, the kid that he's going to chop him. I really like that that last scene. I thought it was a really strong panel and Gus is just one of my favorites anyway so. Did you did you read Saga? I did. What did you think of Saga? The line about where rescuing the mother-in-law was optional, was I thought was very cute. She's like, don't talk like that. She's like, you know, I, I obviously love her anyway because I love you and she made you. I thought that was a really cute, was a really cute line. I was like, aww. The last panel of the whole thing is is the best. It's oh, with Gus, yes. Oh, dear God. I fucking love that thing. Gus and his <laughs> chopper and friendo. <laughs> I love him so much. <laughs> He's so adorable and such a little badass. <laughs> I know. It's like, I will stop you. <laughs> I believe it too. That that looks like a very angry uh, seal. <laughs> He's so sweet and so angry. What did Matt think he was before? I can't remember. Oh God, I don't remember. <laughs> Wasn't he thinking he was a penguin? Wasn't he, I thought it was a penguin. Oh, it was something, it was like a penguin or a <laughs> giraffe. I don't know what he thought he was. It was clearly Gus is a seal. <laughs> like, no Matt. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's not an orangutan. It's a seal. <laughs> that was my favorite. I, 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 when I saw that, that reminded me. I was like, "Oh, Matt's gonna think it's a it's a monkey or something." <laughs> Damn it, Matt! Why did you hear? Just for that one reason. It's, it's Saga. I love it. The Did you read any of the um the letters? Letters. Yeah. Yes. Did, did you read the top ten new names for the will? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you laughed at all of them. <laughs> yeah, he's put on a little weight. He's did you notice kill. that one was Brian K. Vaughn? <laughs> Yes. Who is like the skinniest guy? <laughs> I was like, that's so messed up. Did you like, see the uh, the little ad for the li- stuffed lion cat in the back? It's not green. Yeah, I still kind of want one though. Oh, it's not green. There's so so little Saga merchandise, you know. I feel like there are. There's actually, I have a pair of lion cat earrings, you know, from like an Etsy seller. So they're not like official or anything like that, but they're pretty well done. I get comments on them. People are like, what are you wearing? I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) they're cats. (laughs) Just sweet little green cats. (laughs) And I guess there's there's another lion cat in here that Carissa, before before she got sick and couldn't make it, uh, had commented on that she really liked that lion cat. Well, it's a little pink kitty with a crown and a... (laughs) (laughs) In this crazy drug den, yeah. I like when the guy is uh, eating pizza and the cat is like hooking her paw, like trying to pull the pizza while he's distracted. Fine. <laughs> That's like what cats do. Yes. <laughs> like- All the little details in here. I also love that the will is, is super crazy and has like the ghost of his like ex-girlfriend. Oh God, yeah. Who's always urging him to kill people. Oh, she was crazy anyway. The the details in the book, the the realism of the characters, the way they talk to each other, that they're they're all complex. I like what this issue had to say about, at least to me, about identity and seeing people or not seeing them for who they are. Uh, I thought it was really good. Plus, you had Gus with his chopper. For all of those reasons, I made it my my pick of the week. I ended up giving it four and a half friendos. I will give it four lion cat because we had multiple lion cats. So then uh, stomping its way into... uh, destroying cities and you had a you had a book for us i did godzilla oblivion issue one by idw publishing writer is joshua bikelov go with that and uh brian Sherla is the artist there are a bunch of different godzilla series i read the last one which was godzilla in hell which i thought was fantastic uh it is a mostly 
Silence. Silence. This one is full on. If you have ever seen any of the Godzilla movies, this is exactly how they all start. It is crazy Japanese scientists build something, screws something up. You op- Basically, they built a stargate that opened to a portal. And I love the fr- freaking noise. So the screonk is the Godzilla noise. And that's the the lettering that goes across the page in that. And I was like, oh, that's so this is this is one of those books that kind of makes my my child heart so happy. Growing up, I used to go see Godzilla movies with my dad in like weird theaters in San Francisco. A lot of them are gone. There was one that used to be in the Hate that would show all sorts of weird Japanese movies. Some really famous ones, like I saw Seven Samurai and just a bunch of the different Godzilla movies. And I that's I have loved Godzilla since I was a kid. I have probably more Godzilla figures that I I would like to admit as well. <laughs> I even bought I think I bought a another one like about a month ago too i was like oh my shit i should just stop buying this but anyway this is like if you are a fan of godzilla you will love you will know pretty much all the monsters that you see in this they have rodan which looks like the pterodactyl they have fucking mecha godzilla which i was like yes that was pretty awesome have they have like the mothra larvae that are attacked they're attacking the rodan in one of the one of the scenes, which I was like, yes, Mothra and Gamera are my favorites. Gamera is the big turtle. It's made of turtle meat. Yeah. Yeah. I love the turtle. Spinning fucking turtle. It's the same thing. There's no, there's no saying that this is not a traditional Godzilla story. We, you know, they meet the monsters, the monsters start attacking, they get away and then they try to get back to their time period. Cause basically the portal that they um, made took them to, it seems like it's the same, it's the same earth. It's just set it's like in the same alternate, time. Yeah. yeah. It's like an alternate. I think it's like one of those alternate Earths where one thing is different, and then from that point, like everything else changes. You meet these people who live there. Like you should be here. They're like they try to save them, and they're like, "No, nah, we're just gonna we're gonna go go back through our portal." And then they, you know, they they hear the story of Godzilla. Basically, Godzilla is you know what is keeping these creatures from growing to their full size. I always like to call him just the queen of monsters because i think godzilla is is a little both remember godzilla also had a kid at one point which is weird you're going deep into the godzilla lore deep in the godzilla lore. godzilla is also you know how you get my spirit animal godzilla is also my spirit animal <laughs> i love godzilla i love godzilla my icon at work because we have a uh, website where you put your picture is godzilla do you think godzilla could flip you the bird with those little claws that he has like that would be fully channeling you i'm full on godzilla so i feel bad for anybody who reads this and is why the fuck why the fuck do you love this so much it's because it's godzilla but yes i i love it it's crazy we get Girdra, the three-headed it's gold usually gold is is the color monster who basically tries to follow them back through the portal and then, then of course it's like they were trying to shut off the portal and they're like oh god it's restarting and it, it, all of a sudden it slams through and it's like we're here and that's the end cliffhanger fucking giant monster now in our portal so yeah i read the godzilla in hell i read i think one or maybe two issues of it I was not a big fan of it. I can see how if you like Godzilla, this is going to be right up your your alley. Like, I will give it up to Brian Sherilla, the artist. He can draw some some monsters. I'm not the biggest Godzilla fan, and I knew what every single monster that he drew was. Oh, they were so, so clear. So clear. I was so happy about that. I, I mean, yeah, this is not a book for anybody who doesn't know who Godzilla is or cares about Godzilla. And if you did not enjoy the cheesy, cheesy Godzilla dubbed movies growing up, this is probably not something you're I think it's, it's a pretty <laughs> decent science fiction story. I mean, it does really yeah. depend on how much you like Godzilla. Like, I don't think the characters right. are, are strong at all in this. That's my big complaint with it is I don't care about any of the people. But the plot is actually interesting. Plot-wise, good job. Characters, not so much. Monsters, awesome. Monsters, awesome. <laughs> It's all about the monsters, really. That's To me, that's always been the whole point. The characters are usually pretty useless in all of the movies. I mean, there's the scientists and stuff like that, but now nah, they're kind of useless. It's all about the monsters. <laughs> so what did you end up giving Godzilla Oblivion? For me, I will give it three and three quarters Mothras. I gave it two and a quarter Mecha Godzillas. <laughs> Mecha Godzilla was pretty cool. <laughs> 
cool. I was pretty stoked to see Mecha so, Godzilla. That was that was a good one. I'm waiting for the. So I had a book that, while I think is very very solid, my enjoyment of it is again like on a very personal level. So I had Power Lines number one from Image Comics, written and drawn by Jimmy Robinson. I always like books where you have the writer and the artist is the same. I think that's those aren't talents that go together very often. So you got to kind of appreciate appreciate it when you see it. So from the very first page, it's talking about these like uh, ley lines that are there. And it has these different panels of like the land changing, changing over time. And then like the second or third panel, I realized it's the Bay Area. I was like, oh shit, it's the East Bay. <laughs> you know, my like... Our hometown. Yes, absolutely. This story, the overall is that there's these these ley lines that form this triangle over the East Bay. And this ley lines were wiped out when like Lewis and Clark uh, got to the West Coast. So they've been they've been gone for a long time. And this story takes place in Richmond. So you have this this group of like young, like African-American or or violent or anything like that. They seem like they're more like kind of like aimless, like they want to go around and tag stuff like they're not trying to rob people or anything like that. They're kids being dumb kids and then the the person who's your protagonist he's he's hanging out with them but you know he's going to be going to college and they kind of give him a hard time about that so their big plan is they're going to drive over to benicia which is like i guess if you don't know the the bay area very well is kind of like across the the bridge and is a very sleepy quiet little like white bread town a lot of antique stores yes (laughs) if you want to go antiquing that's the place for you they go there and because there's not a lot of people who have like tagged that area they think it's gonna you know they'll really make their mark there and people will be talking about what they did like it's really daring for them to leave like their little enclave in richmond like they're from the iron triangle which is a really 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 bad area like it's so bad when i was trying to explain it to somebody at work um it has its own wikipedia entry oh my god seriously (laughs) yes (laughs) um i worked in the iron triangle uh for about a year and a half i got mugged once and carjacked twice during that time period it's a rough neighborhood Uh, i know people who worked for the government when they had to do inspections in there they had to have a police escort to go in and out they they're definitely from a rough neighborhood so leaving that world and going to you know the sleepy you know you go there to go antiquing town you know it's it's a place where they can make their mark but while they're there one of them somehow uh, basically because gets superpowers from these like ley lines. I don't know if it's because he does something or he has some ancestry or it doesn't really explain why. He just, he basically now, uh, I know that he can fly. I don't know what else he can do. So he does that and he can, he can also like, has really good like vision. So he can see what everyone else is doing. And he sees that the leader of the group that was taking them there to, um, to tag stuff is actually there to rob people. The kind of town where people leave their doors unlocked, you know, so there's, there's lots of lots of crime to be had there. So he sees that, which kind of ruins his impression of him. I get the sense that he feels kind of betrayed by that, that they were supposed to be doing, you know, this kind of artistic, kind of rebellious thing, and he's just turning it into, like, petty crime. Then you cut to the person that he stole from, and it's this terrible lady who's this very angry, basically racist, who... <laughs> Reminds me a lot of, like, everyone's drunk uncle at Thanksgiving. Like, all the terrible things that they say that you have to kind of just uh, kind of nod and eat your yams and, you know, like, not uh-huh. argue with him, you know? Because it's, it's not going to work. So she's saying, like, lots of terrible things about them. But she also, the the cell phone case that was stolen from her is, is special to her. It's, like, one of the last things someone made for her. So she really wants to get it back. And she's she's tracked the phone using its, like, GPS locator so they go to she and her stepson. Her stepson is like a veteran from, I think, either Afghanistan or Iraq. And he seems like he's a pretty decent guy. And he goes to confront them. And I was actually thinking that like, and this, so I liked that the story took kind of a, a twist for me. I thought that the other kid who was kind of like the the good kid of that group and this guy were going to get superpowers and like team up, you know, and prove the mother wrong that like all the racist things she was saying were not true but the one who gets the superpowers is not the you know the war veteran it's the racist soccer mom basically who gets superpowers there is something a little strange about her like she seems to have been surrounded by tragedy like her husband died 
and her other son was in a wheelchair. And I wonder if that was like her daughter or her sister that made her that cell phone cover. So it seems like there's some horrible things that have happened to her, which I true that I was wondering if that had anything to do with like, are these people who have had things, tragic things happen to them? And that's why they get some sort of power. Yeah, I'm not sure if they're supposed to be fulfilling like archetypes or if they have like an ancestry or they just are in the right place at the right time or there's stress that they're under. Like, I, I don't know why they're getting their power, which I, I like that there's a mythos that I don't understand yet that right. isn't fully explained to me. But I get the sense that it's, it's thought out. It's not like they haven't figured it out yet. They just haven't told me yet. Yes, I, I think they're leading you down the path. So then you find that the third person, like the third one of those uh, intersecting ley lines is this like Native American shaman over at uh, Brione's Regional Park. So you've got all these characters, the stage being set for them. And I I really enjoyed this. I mean, this is where I'm from. I've worked in these places. I've lived in these places. This has a real strong sense of place for me. Like they get right. The Brione's Regional Park got me because I've been there so many times as a kid. Like that's because I lived I lived in Pinole growing up, so I'm very familiar with that yes. Richmond area as well. Yep. Yeah, and I I worked there for for years. Uh, we almost bought a house in Benicia, but we didn't because it was really boring and <laughs> didn't have any good restaurants, and you had to go over a bridge. So we passed on that. But I, I definitely know the area. So I think it's a really good story, even if you're not familiar with the area. For me, that added extra to it. But I, I think there's a definite sense of mystery here. The characters are really well-rounded and developed. And I feel like there's there's a lot more to, to come from this. This is a very promising first issue. Like, I want to pick up issue two right now and read it. Yeah, the sense of where it is is so close and I, it was so fun to see where they were going. And it's it, it was like, oh, I know where that is. Yeah. Oh, I know where that is. I don't know if everyone is going to be that excited about it like we are. But it, I thought it also was really cool to see. I was like, it's our hood. Exactly. East Bay. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, not only could I tell you where they're at, where they're at, I could tell you how to drive from every location in this book to every other location in this. <laughs> so, yep. you're like, you take this bridge, yeah, this exactly. freeway. Make sure you stay in the left lane because it's an exit only lane. Oh. Yeah, on the right hand side. I thought the story was really interesting. I think it's really fun to see what, how, what, where this is going. I mean, we don't, we have no idea. We just know these people have these powers. We don't know why. There's obviously Native American. Some, you know, it seems like that the guy who's like looking, watching them over, looks also similarly Native American to the other guy. So I was wondering if maybe there's some sort of relationship. Well, he he calls him. There's like uh, like a re, like a tribal council. So there's like this mysterious watcher who's in the alleyway watching what's going on, and he called the other person who. Who has who's hunting with like a bow and has the the same little triangle thing over his eye so he's obviously got the superpowers too it's interesting I, I like that there are there are basically groups in this book that you don't see very often like I would I would challenge you to find me a comic book with uh, more than one Native American in it like really? you might find one occasionally but this one they they are significant players in the story to find African American youth who are all different like when they're in the car and they're telling you who each person is each of those people is a specific person they're not gangster one gangster two you know they each have distinct personalities and motivations and honestly a the like the kind of like racist that this lady is you don't also don't see very often because it's not clear to me is she going to overcome these these attitudes and are they going to like band together or is she going to become the villain or what I, i don't know and I'm really interested to find out. Yeah. Like if, if a story can can hook my imagination and make me start asking question after question after question about the book, not because I'm confused or it's poorly written, but because there there's so much there, that to me is a is a strong book. It's interesting. It's hooked me in. Like I'm so curious as to know what's gonna happen. Yeah. The only reason I didn't make this my pick of the week is because I acknowledge that part of it is because I love the East Bay yeah. and this is about the East Bay. Yeah. So I had to had to had to realize my own uh, my own bias in this story. Yeah, I think I I I'd be curious to know what Matt says because being that he did not grow up in the I mean because Carissa is also true. That's actually what I wanted to talk to Matt is I'm like okay Matt you're not we- from here you've never been here what do you think of this story or other readers. I mean, other yeah. listeners who have read this and who are not from the East Bay, like I know we have some people from Canada and we have some people from England and the East Coast. What did you think of this? Did you get the sense that it's a, a real place, even if you're not familiar with it? Or was the story too local? I would be interested to know that. Overall, I give this, and this is me balancing my love for the East Bay 
with the quality of the book. I think the rating I give it is pretty fair. Uh, I end up giving it four iPhone covers. So Carissa picked a book, but then she was sick, so she couldn't be here. Uh, she picked Drax number five from Marvel Comics, uh, written by Colin Bunn and CM Punk. Uh, artist is uh, Scott Hepburn. So this is, I read the first issue of Drax, and I really didn't like it. I thought the art was kind of weird, and I didn't find the story all that interesting. So then I skipped the next four issues, and then I picked this one up. And if Chris hadn't told me to read it, I probably wouldn't have read it. And I think that would have been a mistake, because I found... So basically, Drax has met some other alien friends with him who are fighting against this, like, basically slavery and underground, like, fighting ring that you find out is being ran by uh, Fing Fang Foom, the dragon. Uh, we saw him back in the Totally Awesome Hulk as well. And I have to say, I always thought when I saw older drawings of, uh, of Fing Fang Foom that he was kind of lame looking and had a really stupid name. And he still has a really stupid name, but he looks pretty awesome so in both of these it's issues. So the name is so funny, it makes me <laughs> laugh. <I'm> like, <laughs> so you find out that uh, Fing Fang Foom has the last dragon eggs of his his race, and that he wants to put them in the like the blood basically of his his like conquered enemies, so that when they hatch, they'll have like a a lust for blood, and will go out and conquer you know the galaxy. So he's like basically conducting this like hatching ritual, ritual, taking all the slaves and people that lost and like drenching the eggs in their blood. Um, there's also a bunch of like kidnapped children that Drax uh, is trying to rescue, um, not because he really cares about the the kids, but because the person like won't repair his spacecraft unless he does this. So in order to get to Thanos, he has to do this. So he and there's like a, a robot friend of his who I thought was awesome. I loved that robot. I thought he was really funny. And then there's also um, a former like, Herald of Galactus uh, that's with him. So they there's lots of punching and fighting with Fing uh, Fang Foom, who opens this like dimensional portal and goes through it. And then they, they follow him through. And that's where I think the book kind of takes a... A turn that to me made the book actually a surprise like a strong bit of writing that i was not expecting so i guess when thing thing foom went through the portal he fell or dropped one of the eggs and it shattered and it was just like dust inside so he's like the last of his race now and you know he feels like there's no there's no point in him going on so he's just basically sitting on the ground crying and telling them to just kill him that there's no point to his existence anymore which i thought was a really interesting turn for the book so drax like immediately like runs over to do what he said because you know drax doesn't have any mercy or compassion for this but the others are like you know they, they stop him from doing so one of them actually decides to stay behind with uh thing thing foom because they, they think that if he's like desperate that you know you don't know what he's going to do so they kind of want to pull him back from the edge. So I thought the book had lots of really cool action scenes and punching dragons in the face, like all that kind of stuff that I would expect. The art was, I thought, pretty good. And I also thought that the writing, especially at the end with Fing Fang Foom realizing that he is the last of his race and that there there will be no more, was, was really strong. You said you didn't like it as much as I did. Not, I mean, there were some things that were fun. I really liked the line where, he's, where he grabs the people and he's like, yeah. snacks. Snacks for later. <laughs> snacks, yeah. snacks, snacks. <laughs> I that that did make me chuckle out loud. I even though that he's the last of his kind, he's a big angry dragon. I don't know if I would see a dragon breaking down like that. Maybe I have missile. <laughs> I ended up giving it three and a half uh, dragon eggs. I will give it two and three quarters snacks. Children's. <laughs> so you had uh, another another piece of the Marvel universe. I did. I had the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl issue six by Marvel Comics, written by Ryan North and Chip Zarsky. We have there's two art. I think it's really funny though. The artist is really mostly is I believe Erica uh, Henderson, but Joe Joe did I believe, and I don't know if this is true. Chip posted something. And he said Joe only did the van. <laughs> That was the only thing he did. Was that the van, van was pretty sweet. Which that van is sweet. <laughs> the cray van. So this yeah. is um, the cray van. 
So this is um, a, actually a crossover between Squirrel, Squirrel Girl and Howard, which is why I picked it up because I, I love Howard. I love what Chip does with Howard, and I think it's freaking hilarious. So the whole the whole point of this issue, I'm not even sure why there's a point, honestly, but it's just hilarious anyway. Howard is trying to find a cat named Biggs, and to him, all cat all cats look the same. <laughs> So he grabs because yeah, he, he can't tell the difference between mammals, right? Like all people look the same, uh, which is funny because ducks pretty much all do look the same. Did you see the alternate cover with them running through the convention cosplaying as each other? Yeah. Yes, I freaking love that. Holy shit, that was hilarious. Did you see the the name badges for the people who were it's sitting the writers, at the convention? Right? Yeah. yeah. This book, even if you have no idea what's going on, read the captions at the bottom of each, almost each page. They are hilarious because you can tell it's all the writers back and forth giving each other shit for different things that they've done. It is freaking hilarious. Everything, there's like so much detail in the randomest shit in this book, but it's fucking funny as hell. I love, it's, I love the randomness. So talking about freaking, talking about making action figures and was one of them. That one was, that one cracked me up. <laughs> oh yeah, that if they sell you a Howard like, the Duck action figure, you're only getting half the figure. Yeah, so it should come with two with him in a trench coat, yes. like stacked up. Like I was like, oh, I also God, like the little hilarious. trading cards, the Deadpool trading cards. Yes, with the one where it was all scratched out and had other stuff <laughs> written on it. It's a terrible picture of Howard the Duck, and they don't know anything about him. Yeah, <laughs> they just make stuff up. He's like, I'm not a super villain. What the? <laughs> I can't control ducks. I can't form with forty other ducks to make a giant duck. <laughs> Which would be awesome, and I would love to see that. And now you that they've said it, I can't. I can only. Imagine. Gonna happen. Everything is going to happen. That's how they do. That's how they do this, which is hilarious. <laughs> so the whole the whole story is Howard is trying to get this this cat, which is Squirrel Girl's friend's cat. Craven captures Howard. It's a different cat that he tries to catnap. That's how they meet. Yes, it is a different cat. It's not the actual cat. The best part is the Craven capturing Howard with the van. That is still the best. The whole scene of the van is like straight up like. 80s pinup with the freaking what is it like the tiger rug with a girl laying on the tiger rug yeah he's riding yeah. A, like a horse that's like in front of like a full moon he's got a spear it's like the cover of like heavy metal yeah. like the heavy metal magazine from the 80s exactly exactly it is <laughs> perfect so this is the van of the person in high uh, the in high school's like older brother who could get you things yeah, <laughs> you know it's like the creep yeah it's funny because that you see him in the outfit and you're like yeah that does kind of yeah. match like <laughs> his outfit like are they ever gonna update that outfit in the comics <laughs> like it's still the straight up like it's like like 70s like i know it's older than that but it looks like 70s pimp yes. style outfit <laughs> it looks like he should When's be it? like in like van halen i do like the bits between craven and squirrel girl that they respect each other i do like that yeah I thought that I, I thought that was funny. I was like, really? Like it kind of made. I was like, really? Okay, cool. That's kind of random, but okay. So it's kind of funny because it seems like always with Howard there is a collector <laughs> because in the last series there's a collector. Crazy lady is also like a crazy collector. She, I, I love that. Um, what did she say? Like her boyfriend dumped her because she was too into cosplay, and it was like cosplay in parentheses where it's not cosplay. She's like recreating yes. freaking weapons from all the superheroes. Yes, he broke up with her because cosplay is stupid. <laughs> really stupid. Oh my god, so so weird, so random. She's obviously crazy, and I love that. What, what was one of the things where it was like her name was like Sugar Baker, and they're saying like she has like the the thickest Southern accent or something. That was one of the other footnotes, like like the thickest Southern accent you'd ever yeah. hear, or something crazy like that. It was just to collect Howard, of course, because she already has. I can't. She has Rocket, Rocket, which and yet again Howard always seem to be in the same by the same people. <laughs> always. Always. She has Beast. She has the cat yes, who, already. turned into like a like battle cat, like a cyborg cat. Isn't like the mecha cat, cat her like, oh, like ex who broke up with her? It's, <laughs> but, it's his cat and she wants to hunt it down and kill it? Yes, it is his cat. Yeah. And then my favorite yeah. <laughs> little new character is uh, from the Weapon 2 project. Awesome. So not Weapon X. They made Wolverine. This is a much <laughs> earlier version. When they tested it on uh, a furry critter. So we have, <laughs> we have Weapon X, which is the awesomest, sickest um, squirrel, Wolverine squirrel. Squirrel. I was going to call it a squirrel, <laughs> squirrel Wolverine, which I can't believe that did not make it in the book. I love uh, so the the squirrel, uh, you know, has all of basically all of Wolverine's personality. He's got the little claws, which is adorable. And it's not snick; it's like snucked. 
is what it looks like with and the then I love where the he's like, uh, I'm the best at what I do, and that's gathering nuts for winter. <laughs> it's just, it's a really funny book. It's really cute. <laughs> it's so nonsensical, but so fun and fun. The very last panel, I don't know if you read the, the, the cliff notes. I don't even know what we're calling it, the footnotes. But it says the continuation is like, um, you know, here's coming out next month in Howard the Duck, because that's the next second crossover. And it says, also, cosplay, lots of cosplay. I'm cosplaying right now as a guy who forgot he has to now write the whole Howard the Duck comic. But no, and I was like, oh my god, champion again. You're freaking hilarious. Right, because she wants the most dangerous game, which is hunting humans, but that's that's illegal. Um, but, you know, human-animal crossbreds are kind of like a legal gray area. And then Beast is like, you know, excuse me, madam, I'm not, you know, a human-animal crossbred. This is my mutation. She's like, shut up, animal. Yeah, if you like Chip, this is this is pure, pure Zadarsky. Like I said, I read the first one or maybe two issues of Squirrel Girl. I didn't like it. And I cannot tell you if this has gotten better, like significantly better, or if I'm just now used to this tone in certain aspects of the Marvel Universe. It kind of, I kind of wonder if that's the case because Howard, Hellcat, and Squirrel Girl all have the same nonsensical, funny, like just happy, silly comics, which is yes. entertaining. Which I'm now into and are some of my favorite comics, so I think I might be more accepting of that. But I think that the quality has actually gotten better on this as well. Or you're just less jaded. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> it has been a while since we've read like uh, The Dark Knight or something like that. To... Less jaded. So I am going to give this because it is one of my favorite pictures on the front of this cover, the, the regular cover. I'm going to give it um, four Thor kitties. There's a picture of a kitty dressed as Thor and it's freaking adorable. I love it. You'll have to <laughs> I see will it give... There is not a panel or page of this book that I did not love. This was almost my pick of the week, but I, I had to go with Saga. It's a little more gravitas, a little more. But this is just pure fun. So I ended up giving it uh, four and a half weapon weapon two squirrel wolverines. Squirrelverine! <laughs> yeah. I, I really recommend that you check this one out. I mean, it's, it's a standalone issue. Pretty much you don't need to know anything that's happened in Unbeatable Squirrel Girl. You know, it's just, you just go along for the ride, just buckle in, you know, and laugh your ass off. Should continue in Howard. So if you're already reading Howard, this is just a one, one extra issue to enjoy more chip of. So I had another part of the Marvel universe, but in the Star Wars universe, I had uh, Star Wars Darth Vader number 18, uh, written by Karen Gillan, uh, art by Salvador LaRocca. So this is kind of the, the continuing story of... Darth Vader on that that planet that we saw originally in the the Star Wars the Darth Vader annual. It's kind of like this like lava planet that they're mining and there's a civil war going on. So this one is kind of the continuing story of that and Vader's like final assault on the the rebel fortress. During that rebel assault, their like their mining ship is is sabotaged to like drill down into like a weaker area, I I think. So they end up like plummeting down like into the core of the planet where this ambush has been set up it's a trap it's a trap yeah so that's when they're badly outnumbered and vader's basically trying to like rally his troops not to give up because like all the stormtroopers want to give up they're like we're outgunned we're outnumbered there's no way and he's like well you might be afraid of them but be more afraid of me there was actually an interesting part with the droids where not c3po what's the evil evil c3po um triple zero and then bt I think it's Triple Zero who's talking about how, you know, droids aren't affected by the Force and can't use the Force. And it's not because they're not alive, because they, they are alive. It's because they don't have blood. I guess he thinks that blood is what channels the Force, which actually made me think they might be talking about midichlorians. Yeah. Which, I don't know, uh, this was a much more uh, metal version of midichlorians, so I didn't hate it as much. So his plan <laughs> basically is to drain the blood from, like, all the soldiers and use it to to do something. Yeah. But like Vader is like, you will regret this droid. No. <laughs> it's like <laughs> I just get the sense it's like if Vader if you could see the look on his face 
It's like, this is crazy blasphemy, you know? No, this is not going to work. That was, that was hilarious. I could, I could tell, like, I'm think I'm hearing it in a C-3PO voice and it's like, we'll just drain them of all their blood. And I was like, oh my God, that's fucking hilarious. Like, I, I just think he just wants to kill more people is really what it is. I, I think so too. <laughs> it's not that he wants to do anything with the blood. I think he just wants to drain more people. It's just an excuse to be able to. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. <laughs> so then vader there there was actually i thought was a really cool scene with the the queen where her her advisor was like you know oh you know queen you've only been you know you became a queen at a really young age and i'm your advisor so like by law like i can veto what you say and so i'm I'm gonna cancel your attack plan and then she like this is where i think she like really embraces like vader's teachings and like the dark side and she just has him straight up murdered (laughs) <laughs> and it's kind of one of those things like oh i don't have i don't kill people i have people to kill people for me that's why i love that i love the picture where they're like blasting him with the like giant cannon and he's just like flying off panel <laughs> there's that and then there's a uh, those two twins who are like the they're not jedi i don't i don't know exactly what they are but they're they reveal that they they're going to betray vader and he starts fighting them and there's a really awesome so once again, you know, Vader's fighting like over a big, you know, pit of lava against someone with a lightsaber, which I'm sure brings back pretty bad memories for him. You know, um, somebody probably will lose an arm just because <laughs> like, I love this scene where like there it shows them in silhouette, like jumping like behind him to ambush him. And he just kind of like lazily like puts his lightsaber behind him to like block all their attacks. He's <laughs> like, whatever, losers. Yeah. <laughs> God, <laughs> you fucked up now. <laughs> yeah, Dark Lord of the Sith ain't nothing to fuck with, Don't basically. Fuck Don't fuck with him. So he tells them that, you know, when you decided to betray me, that you you failed already. You know, and that's the final scene where he's uh, on this this bridge over this lava, and there's probably going to be a pretty epic uh, lightsaber duel. Somebody's going to get thrown in lava. It ain't going to yep. be Vader. No, it ain't. He's learned. <laughs> yeah. So this issue, it had a lot of cool... I mean, I'm still overall not terribly interested in this plot line, but there are some things that it's doing that I found interesting, so... We got the kill bots back. Those are pretty much the awesomest sidekicks. Yeah. You got the the evil droids doing crazy evil stuff. Vader being a badass. That queen kind of embracing the dark side, which I thought was pretty awesome. There's a lightsaber duel over some lava. I mean, there's lots of things that uh, this issue does, does pretty well, so some good star wars yeah i mean i i would like them to get off of this planet and on to something else but uh i'm i'm okay with what's happening uh, right now there's enough good to outweigh the so-so yeah for a while there it was kind of touch and go <laughs> whether it was like right around the time they wrapped up uh, vader down it took kind of a, a downturn you know but i think we're we're on the upswing now coming back i gave this one three and a half droid assassins well i'm gonna say pretty much the same thing i was gonna give it three and a half kill bots damn it i think we like the same things yeah we do we do fuck it they're hilarious absolutely hilarious and horrifying i I really do love that like and i mean no i know vader doesn't have any expression but i swear those panels where triple zero just keeps laying out his plan he's like stop 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 he he could face palm he would have face palm just like that would have been awesome. I could clearly, you could clearly see him wanting to do that. Yes, <laughs> and he's probably like, now I have to kill you. <laughs> you know Damn what it. you're saying is totally blasphemous, Just- and if you're right, is not going to be good. <laughs> so we also we had uh, more of the Avengers standoff uh, plotline. Uh, we had Captain America, Sam Wilson, number seven from Marvel Comics. <laughs> I, I like the note here that Matt put in. Uh, motherfucking Joss Whedon, Tim Sale, Greg Rucka, yeah. Nick Spencer as writers, uh, art, artists uh, Daniel Acuna, Matt Yaki, Mike Perkins, Angela Unzetta, and Tim Sale. So top shelf writers, top shelf artists. This book is 60 something pages long. So Freaking it's a huge, huge issue. Um, that's like a triple issue, basically. You get your money's worth of this Absolutely. one. Absolutely. <laughs> the thing is, is yeah. each one of those stories, if they had been their own comic, would have been one of the best Captain America comics I'd read in a while. It was they so were good. really good. All of these stories were strong. I really think that this Avengers standoff, uh, like, that they're doing, they're doing it right. Like, each issue stands on its own and tells you a story about that issue but it ties into like an overall plot this is an event that i think carries you know the overall plot line through but advances each book on its own too and these are some really good captain america stories the basic the big plot 
of it is uh, Bucky and Sam Wilson are in uh, Pleasant Pleasant Hill uh, trying to find Captain America, and they're battling their way through various bad guys. And they meet up with uh, with Shield, with some Shield agents who you know were pretending to be like regular people in the town. I think it's a school teacher that they they meet up with. Yeah. So that's basically one story where you in that story you have. It's like how they, they're different from each other, and at first they're not used to working with each other, but then as they start working together more, they start, like, complementing each other's strengths and, you know, making up for the other's weaknesses, and, you know, that they may all have differences, but they're all, they're all Captain America, you know, and that was, that was a pretty cool, pretty cool story in and of itself, but that's, that's not the end of the, the, the plot line. No, that is literally just the beginning yeah, of this. <laughs> that would have been a really cool Captain America comic, just... Just on its own. On its own, yeah. But then you get... You get the old old Captain America. That's the one where he's, where he's fighting crossbones, right? Yeah. That first panel is spectacularly horrific. Where, so there's a lot of violence in comic books that's kind of cartoonish in a way. But this, this ass-beating that Captain America is getting at the hands of crossbones where he's beating him to death, is brutal. He's literally trying to beat him to well, death. Well, he does like, beat him to death. Crazy. I mean, the, the beating is just just savage. I mean, there's blood everywhere. It's like people are, like, spitting out, like, teeth, you know. And Cap's an old man, you know. And he's being... It's like watching, like, your, like, grandfather get, like, beat by, like, this, you know, street tough, and you can't do anything about it. But I like yeah. that they have these kind of flashbacks where... Because he's seeing, you know, he's looking back at the end of his life. His life is, like, literally flashing before his eyes. You know, and there's that, this cool scene of him, like, in the alleyway before he gets, like, the super soldier thing. And he's also had the crap kicked out of him there, you know. And they're like, you know, do you give up? And then it cuts back to, like, the present time. And he's like, never, you know. And that's, like, the beating continues, you know, but Cap doesn't give up, you know. And then there's, I thought, a really cool, like, splash page where he's looking back at his life at all the people in it. That was fantastic that reminded me so much of like the old comics like my dad used to read that looked like that like the old because he he had some comic like some sci-fi comics and that was just awesome it looked just like that i also like where they had the my favorite part of it was where they showed like iron man he's like the friends who challenged me you know I like that. And then there's like all these classic panels, you know, there's like, I look back at, you know, the moments where I was found worthy and it's where he's lift Thor's Thor's hammer, you know, which is like a famous like Captain America scene and Captain running for president and like all these, these moments that he's had, you know, as he's looking back on this, this life. And that's, so the other, the other part of in between the beating, so the beating is what happens at the end of the story, but it's kind of a Tarantino way where they bookend it with that beating. But the middle part of the story is where Cap is trying to get Maria Hill to the doctor. And they meet up with this priest who's, like, guiding them through the town, which, you know, in in Pleasant Hill, everyone looks like something else, which I found that reveal to be shocking to me. I I had to, like, put it down and really think about what they were saying there. Because Kobik takes you and turns you into, like, the best of what you could have been. And the person that that priest is is a horrible person. So... I was shocked. I had, I was like, did I read that right? I'm all, did, 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 did I, I skip a page? Did yeah, I, yeah. Was- yeah. I, I won't reveal who it is. Cause I think that that's a big impact of the story is, is finding out who that is. Yeah. Like, does that mean that a priest's ability to like unify people together in like a common cause and inspire them? Is that what they're trying to say that that could have been used for? I, I have no idea, but it, it's very interesting. Like I've been thinking about that reveal ever since I, I saw it. This was my favorite story in the whole thing. This was my favorite. Not that any of them were bad, but this was my favorite I think favorite this story. is and it probably the emotional was- weight of the, the story. And then you also have Kobik, um, you know, showing you people being immensely powerful and very much a child. You know, yes. like she'll do something and then people will be mad at her. And she's like, did I do something wrong? What was kind of funny is where they said... Um, where when he asked her keeper where he thought she would be and he said a bowling alley and it kind of was funny because it kind of reminded me of dogma where god went to play ski ball yes that it kind of it totally reminded me of that i was like oh my god that's hilarious and i don't know if that was a no- i was i don't know if it was nod to it but it just it kind of just reminded me of that same same thing i was like oh i'm god. looking back at that splash page uh that you talked about that reminded me of like the comics that like, your dad liked that we had talked about and man the more i look at it that is that is a great page it's good layout every little image goes from the very beginning of captain america's stories to like the current arc touches on everything 
Like it's it's a great bit yeah. of layout and, and just saying so much in, in a limited space. So after Cap's been like basically beaten to death by uh, Crossbones, uh, Kobik tells him, you know, you don't have to go. You know, you can you can stay. I can make you strong again. And that's when you get back to... And so the whole time, Crossbones is like beating him with like the shield. And then there's a, a page where he, he comes back and he grabs the shield. And something's happening, but it's all it's all shot from behind. Like if there was a camera angle, you know, you wouldn't be able to see Steve Rogers. Uh, you'd just see him in like profile. And like it all changes for Crossbones. He's like, oh, can we, can we talk about this? We don't need to settle this with violence, you know? <laughs> and that's where he just beats the crap out of him. Just like two punches, he oh. hits the ground, you know, it's over. And that's where you find out that, you know, basically young Steve Rogers is back. Um, that Kovic has, uh, has restored him back to his youth. So it was... It was a really, really good. Then there's also some um, some other stories um, in here. There's one about like World War II. That's the one that was written by Joss Whedon. That's really, really good. Where it's talking about the war planners, like the propaganda. Well, we don't call our guys propaganda. The <laughs> the public relations part of the military wanted to make him. I think they wanted to call him a Maragun. I think was yeah. And this well, the shield was just the silly star. Like yeah. I think that was just part, like, a design on the gun, you know, and Steve was like, no, you know, it's a shield. We're here to defend people. We're not conquerors. Yeah, we're not conquerors. Okay. And, like, the last panel, or one of the last panels is, like, the marketers being like, oh, that'll never work. <laughs> but it's it's a really cool story. Like, you have, so there's, like, these, like, refugees that this giant, you know, Nazi super tank is going to, like, destroy the the building that they're in, and then you have... Like the soldiers, you know, defending these people and like literally being like human shields for them. And then, you know, you see Cap with his shield. And I thought that was a really good way to, to drive something home about the character. And then there's a, a kind of like almost like a like a silent one um, that talks. It's kind of Steve thinking back to his his mother. That That's a good little story, too. That's a Tim Sale artwork. I don't I don't have to look up the artist for that one. I just I look at that art. It's Tim Sale. It's. I, I love that one too. That was the, being that it's a silent, which I also I, I love by just the showing. But it also hits home because it's a the baseball. Yeah, because he's breaking into this military institution. Is it? You no, know, it's a Hydra installation, and we have this uh, yeah. this crate, uh, this U.S. Army crate that he breaks into, and inside it is the the baseball from when he was a kid. So he went back yeah. to go get that, and it's it's cool. It's it's all silent. There's no words, but uh, the story really says a lot. And then the final one is Steve going to like a ballet and there's um, Latvian assassins after this ballerina. And it, it's it's a cool story. It was probably my least favorite one, but I, it was still very good. But I mean, by the time I got there, I was kind of a little tired <laughs> from reading it. Like I say, you get a lot for yeah. your your money for this one. Definitely worth the purchase. Absolutely. Especially all the different artists and stories are yeah. so, I mean, some of them are so different. Because I mean, this is part of the 75th anniversary for Captain America. I I really enjoyed it. And I think I've, I've been finding that the, the, the crossover books for Avengers standoff have all been pretty solid and it's kind of doing what events are designed to do, which is making you read other books and realizing those books are pretty good. I would say easily. Yes. When I first saw the list of titles, I was like, great, I don't read any of these books. And I would say at least half of them I will now read, you know. So very successful, I think, overall. I ended up giving it four uh, stars and stripes. Four Nazi punches. <laughs> but uh, those were the books we read this week. To check out our weekly pull list and other nerd shenanigans, uh, go check out fourcolornerds.com or our Facebook page, Four Color Nerds. Uh, you can also follow us on Twitter or Instagram, um, also under Four Color Nerds. You can find the podcast on iTunes, on Stitcher, and on SoundCloud. 